1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017
0: and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey,
2: what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey. And on today's edition of the show. I today. I, I'm glad you did remember. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some Travis Goff, Brett Yormark comments that uh, came down today. Cole Aldridge, former KU basketball great legend. He'll be back for the Rock Chalk Roundball Classic next week. He's going to join us today on RCST at about 340. We uh, also have another RCST trivia matchup on today's show. The Phenomenal Four, baby. That's right. Let's phenomenal go. Four, second matchup. We already know Isaac Got through brian will be playing in the third place game will it be justin will it be kyle we'll find out today with RCST trivia in the four o'clock hour also have sports stock market lie detector test and a football friday question for ku football later in the show right off the top though uh wanted to share some updates this is from travis goff who uh kind of gave some updates about the latest that's going on with some of the construction and the projects that they're doing with the Athletics, there was other stuff in there as well, but I think as it pertains, that's probably the most pertinent uh, here. Uh, so here, here's some direct readings from uh, some of the, I guess, different excerpts from what he sent out. He said they are progressing in schematic design and have recently hired a construction manager who is refining the phased approach, timeline, and cost projections. That's for football. That basically tells you that they're still kind of at the, the forefront there. They're they're still trying to figure out the cost. So, and the, right? Dumb question. Yeah.
3: What is a construction manager slash what does that person do?
2: Well, just that. They're, they're figuring out exactly when they're going to do every part of it. Okay. Like, when are we going to do this? So like when are we going to do this? a fancy word
3: for like a, a fancy way to describe like, you know, the schedule person.
2: I mean, I guess they also have to figure out the costs, right? Again, <laughs> like it, it, they do the cost projections and then trying to figure out how okay, to do a budget, okay, I timeline just, for
3: everything. Listen, I've never tried to construct anything. Yeah. I was just curious.
2: Yeah. Um, So they're doing that. So it sounds like that's still probably the furthest thing away away of all the things we're going to talk about. But they are uh, working daily with the development team and campus leaders to create a viable financial plan and raise the needed funds. That part is interesting, too, because that tells you that, yeah, they're still trying to raise the funds, which makes sense. Football stadiums are expensive. It's not going to be like done on one donation. Um, But work has already begun at the Anderson Family Football Complex. Cruise began in mid-April and already seen great progress in both the locker room and weight room. I think that they, they said uh, that stuff will be done by the time players report here, which will be cool. Yeah. Allen Fieldhouse is officially under construction. That's going to be a two-phased approach where they're doing it this offseason. Yeah. And then they're also going to do it the following off season for 2023 to 24 or
3: 2020. So it'll be done. Or, yeah, yeah, correct. 24, 25.
2: Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, they're going to focus on the east side, which is the side with the Fog Allen standing up statue okay. in front
3: of it. For those of us that are directionally challenged, yes. aka me. Yes, thank you for saying
2: that. The side closest to like Naismith <laughs> Drive when you're walking out, and closest to the wreck and everything. Uh, so they're going to focus on that side and premium donor spaces. There's going to have a new team store this season. There's obviously the the team store right when you walk in to the left. I don't know what that means. Are they expanding it? Are they making it bigger? Is it going to be
3: in a different, different? location? I don't know.
2: There's yeah. also the big rally house that's on like the second floor, so uh, yeah. we'll see what that means. There's also going to be a new Jayhawk pub concept. So that was something that I know they talked about in the initial preview of everything, but didn't know if it was going to be done this year or next year. Sounds like it'll be done this year right away. That'll be kind of interesting to, to see.
3: Yeah, with the Allen Fieldhouse stuff, it sounds like they're – Taking care of all the rich people first, and then they'll get to everybody else next. <laughs> Which it tends to be how these things work, just in general. <laughs> Not just like a collegiate
2: athletic standpoint, just in, in general in life. Like, <laughs> you take care of that first, and, and then you move on to, to us plebs the rest of the way. Uh, so, I, I don't know, anything of note, like anything super of interest for you there outside of just the the notion of, oh, stuff is getting done.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool to get a little kind of update like this on on this kind of stuff because I'm sure a lot of KU fans are very, very uh, intrigued and interested in learning about what's going on. And it it sounds like really the biggest thing, which is the stadiums, uh, they're calling it the Gateway Project. That's like the big name of it. So, the stadium slash whatever else they're going to do for that area it sounds like really the the more polished, finished plans are going to be put together over the summer and maybe might be released later this summer. So that's kind of the big thing where it's kind of like a little bit of nothing there. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you haven't – okay, sweet. You're, t- you're giving us an update of that. You haven't done anything yet. Cool. The the, the locker room stuff is cool. I, I think that they're approaching it in a really smart way, though, because you're going to keep the Anderson football complex as part of the Gateway Project stuff. So why not go ahead and renovate that since you know that's not going anywhere or you know it's going to be playing an integral role in everything else. Take care of that this season, boom. Then you can just be like, all right, next year, stadium, and everything else that's going on. We don't have to worry about anything else. So I think that's pretty smart and pretty cool. And then, yeah, my biggest takeaway from now on out stuff is basically exactly what I said, which is this off season, all the rich people get taken care of, <laughs> all the rich people crap they take care of, and then they'll do the rest of it next
2: season. Yeah. Yeah, so it all makes sense there. Uh, so I, I do want to move on, though, because I, I don't know how much analysis you want me to have on it. Like, yeah, cool, I mean, I'm like, glad they're I doing mean, it.
3: Like, oh, yeah, sweet. Right. All this sweet analysis of yeah. blowing you see stuff how that guy up and operated dude, the crane? Dude, Holy cow. Yeah, dude. Right. Power drills and say. hammers yeah. and... Yeah. That stuff's all
2: sweet. Yeah, so important enough that I wanted to bring the update out, but I, I just... Dude, I he's guess averaging I 28 hammers per 40 minutes. <laughs> right, wow. That is a great efficiency. Or is that bad? I think that's bad. No, that's bad. bad. That's that bad. Yeah, bad, yeah. They, yeah, they need to get somebody else on the job at that point. Uh, Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner, he also uh, talked about some stuff
3: today. I love it when Brett Yormark talks about it. I know. Because you just know he's going to say something wild.
2: Well, so they, they had their meetings with all the Big 12 like athletic directors and... Um, ADs and that that is athletic director or school presidents.
3: I mean, just oh they, yeah, I love it when the athletic directors and, and the, the ADs, ADs also meet up together. so meet. Um,
2: <laughs> that that just reminds. I just we had a, this is just a completely random story. Yeah, uh, there was a kid on one of my football teams growing up uh, whose last name was was Schnell. And I remember my, my dad telling me that the one time, everybody just called him that. His first name was Caleb. Oh, yeah. And well, you know, on, just called your, him Schnell.
3: It's a great last name. Yeah, I mean, on your Little League football teams, you you put this tape on your helmet with your right. last name. Last so name. it's like people know you by last everybody name. Everybody would
2: just call him that. And, and eventually, one parent asked, like, what's Schnell's last name? He's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> that is. So anyway, I don't know. Schnell, that, just me of that. Um Nonetheless, so Brett Yormark, uh, they had their meeting with with all the people of power and stuff in the Big 12. And here's what he said, quote, we had a great discussion about expansion and we have a plan. We have an appetite to be a national conference and we believe in the upside of basketball. We love our current composition, love the four new schools coming in. However, if the opportunity presents itself to create value, we will pursue it. I'm not going to address expansion beyond that today, but it is a focus of ours. So again, continued. This has been every time we've heard from, from Brett Yormark on this. He has continued to lob out the idea of expansion, which continues to show the, the foot's kind of on the gas pedal there. And uh, the first quote there, him talking about, we had a great discussion about expansion and we have a plan.
3: That tells you
2: that they specifically have some schools that they have probably like in some order of a targeted list of like this is yeah. who we want.
3: Yeah, whether it's Gonzaga, Washington, Oregon, Yukon, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State, mm-hmm. who whatever it might be, San Diego State, whatever. I mean, I think it I think we pretty much have a general idea of the list of schools that they might be interested in. Maybe we don't necessarily know like what order they're prioritizing of who they want to try to get in first, yeah. Or whatever. How many, but I think I mean we have a we have a pretty good idea, right? I feel like we have a pretty good grasp of eight to ten ish schools that the Big Twelve wants to get. Now the question is, so they have, they have they're twelve right now, right? Twelve. Well, well they're well, at once, fourteen for this
2: year, but, but yeah, once, once okay, Texas No U, so, be know, at 12,
3: you know. so that the question really becomes: Are they going to add two more? Are they going to add four more? Right, and go to sixteen? Like, is it that, something where they're Planning to add four more, but they want to roll it in as two and two. Yeah, and as this relates to KU, I think even going back to last year when we had all the talks about oh KU to the Big Ten or whatever, you know, whatever, right? Like from KU standpoint, I've always I've always maintained like as long as you're in a situation where the conference you're in or whatever situation you're in feels stable, that's all you can ask for. And right now, the Big Twelve seems to be certainly the third most stable conference between the Big Ten and the SEC. And if they're looking to expand, that should give you an idea of the stability of the conference, which means it must be pretty good, right? Like you wouldn't be looking to expand if the conference was in any sort of trouble in any way. Sure. Right? So if you're KU, I think you feel pretty good about that. You feel pretty good about being stable in the Big 12. And then I don't know, you know, maybe if the Big 10 does eventually come calling like we thought they might, you could still do that mm-hmm. because that's stable too. But as long as you have a situation where you know you can kind of you're on steady ground. And that's I think that's the most positive sign of this is the Big 12 clearly is that with their right deals and with their media money and all that crap and plus if they're looking to expand again that to me tells me that they're in a, they're in a good situation.
2: Yeah, going back to the odds that we talked about yesterday KU at 3 to 1 with bookies.com which was tied for the third best odds of a team to get invited to the Big Ten next, you still take that. If that's on the table, I, I think you still take that, even though Well, not you if the Big 12 like,
3: can add four more schools. I still disagree, though. the Big 12 is going to be... The media money is going to be, like, sort of equivalent. Is it, though? If, if they had four more schools, I would think it needs... It would have to be, right? I don't think so. Why not? Well,
2: I guess why would adding those four schools all of a sudden jump up? Because I believe I, I saw today Dennis Dodd talked about... Uh, the Big 12 distributed this year forty four million dollars to each of the school, and I think he was saying that once they have the new media deal and and the current teams and stuff that are in there, um, it'll be about around 50, 52 million The Big Ten is like seventy. That's pretty good.
3: Yeah. So I mean, if I I still no, make I, ten. I get it, I get it. I inter- No, I'm not, I'm and I'm not disagreeing with you. If the Big Ten comes calling, you pick up the phone and talk to them. But I'm just I think saying, like, take it right away at the very least if that doesn't happen if the big 10 doesn't call or however things play out you're you're in a stable enough situation now where you don't you're not you don't feel like you need to make a move just to, just yeah. To, and that's you know 100% I mean?
2: right. Like, you don't need to worry about, oh, yeah, can we get exactly. in the good graces of the Pac 12 or the ACC? Like, you're in good ground either way mm. at this point. Yeah. Even if you're staying in the Big 12. And, and because you have an aggressive commissioner, you feel like you are going to be in a good situation. Um, and you're going to have stability almost by numbers. Like, it's like you're rolling around with a, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're walking around with a, a couple, like, friends who are, like, seven feet tall, you feel like you're invincible, like nobody's going to touch you. This is like you're rolling around with a friend group of, you know, 30 people where you're like, well, you know, we might lose a couple friends. Like, a couple of our friends might go to this other place or go over there or something. But, you know, for the most part, we're in a, a good content group, and and I feel like we're going to all stay together here. So uh, it it's it's just a positive thing that you continue to do that. Sure. Um.
3: I want to talk a little bit more about the second part of this quote. Yeah, the, the basketball about the, part. Yeah. Well, the, here, well, let, me, let me let me read
2: another quote that okay. he talked about here, because I think it leads into this. We do see upside in basketball moving forward for the right reasons. We think it's undervalued, and there's a chance to double down as the number one basketball conference. But football is the driver, and we all
3: know that. Okay, so him saying we believe in the upside of basketball, that made me think of there was a really, really great article in Sports Illustrated back in March. Uh, it was by Pat Ford. Basically, it was about how the Big East, like, essentially survived off of basketball. Like, how they basically, like, they were on the brink of, like, being dead back I in, like, I refuse to acknowledge
2: the writer of that article, but yes.
3: <laughs> okay, well, it was a great article. I really enjoyed it. Anyways, it was like, you know, back in 2013 or whatever, the Big East was, like, going to crumble and be dead. But it they managed to revive themselves based on a, on a basketball-focused model. So that's what made me. That's what kind of jumped out to me about this quote is is I think Brett Yormark is maybe drawing on that a little bit and saying like, okay, if football was the only thing that mattered, how would a conference like the Big East be allowed to continue to survive? It wouldn't. So obviously, basketball has a value, and and as Brett Yormark's indicated in the statement, it could be potentially maybe being undervalued, right? Like, there, so there is real traction to the notion of basketball as something that can be a revenue driver and be successful, especially if you are clearing away the number one basketball conference. Now, obviously, a quote like this immediately makes you think, well, then Gonzaga and UConn must be at or near the top of the Big 12's list if they're talking about putting together the best basketball conference. I guess Arizona, too. Arizona would be a good ad in that sense, too. But, yeah, I mean, but, again, then at the end of it, though, Brett Yormark, to pander to all the football guys out there, still says football is a a big driver, right? Mm -hmm. which it it is, obviously. But again, all I'm saying is if football was the only thing that mattered in terms of revenue, in terms of being a successful conference, the Big East would not be a thing, but it is. So there clearly is value in putting a priority on basketball, and it can be successful. Sure, I'd love to see how much
2: the biggest schools are making. I saw one figure that said four point six million annually. That does not sound like a ton, so I don't know. But you're right; there is value yeah, there. I mean, and that's on a smaller scale. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you're losing Texas and Oklahoma. You are never going to be at this point the best football conference because that's going to be the SEC. That's going to be the Big Ten. It always you could been. add, you could add every other Pac-12 school and ACC school right now, and I mean, you know, hypothetically,
3: let's say somehow you add like Clemson. And Miami and Oregon and you're still Washington. not going to be with the SEC
2: in the Big Ten. Correct. Yes. Exactly.
3: Right. Exactly. It will get close,
2: but like you, you won't be the same. So also, at that point I of- do
3: not want to see Dabo Sweeney's face any more than I have to. So <laughs> okay. please don't add Clemson. Well, uh, they. Not that that's even going to be a thing.
2: They are in a spot where you play to your strengths. What is your strength right now? We are the best basketball conference. So why not try to fortify that? and then do what you can to maintain being the third best football conference because if you're never going to move past third focus on the other things that you can get better yeah. it's like it's like uh i don't know like if you oh, if sorry. you have an nba player you know I, you can't focus on getting taller you can't focus on you know maybe you can add some muscle but you're probably not going to add like you're not going to go from being Chet Holmgren to being Joel Embiid, most likely, in terms of just like builtness and, and thickness and stuff, <laughs> right? So, try to hone what you can there. Yeah, but work on the other things. Work on your ball handling. Work on your three point shooting. Whatever it is, like. Uh, so, I think I think that's a very smart way about going about it. Now, uh, here's here's something else that's kind of of interest. Big 12 commissioner Brett Yormark also says the conference will have a brand refresh next year. It's not a logo change and certainly not a name change.
3: Okay. What does that I even mean? I have a lot of questions. Well, about this it. is where wait, uh,
2: let me make one comment real quick. With <laughs> Brett Yormark, it is the ultimate game every time we hear from him of like, "Yes, yes, yet yeah, wait, what?" Where, because it's like it's with Brett Yormark, it's it's There are a lot of good (laughs) things. Hey, we're going to expand. We're going to do all these great things. We're going to
3: Germany. Wait,
2: what? Yeah, exactly. We're going to Mexico. Exactly. And it's like, sometimes it's like, you go, you went a little too far.
3: We (laughs) we need somebody to rein you back in.
4: I don't understand what this is.
3: I have many, many questions. First and foremost, when is the Big 12 or the Big 10 going to get their heads out of their butts and and not be called the Big 12, Big 10 anymore when they don't have 12 or 10 members? To be f- clear, what? he said certainly what? not
2: a name change. What? Like, what What are we doing? But to your what? point... What? I mean, you don't even have 10 schools. You don't even have 12 schools. What? Where is the disconnect? Would you be cool if when... when, Let's say they do get up to 16. Let's say they do add four schools. If they change it to the Big 16?
3: No, the Big 16 is stupid. It doesn't pull okay. off... So just stay the, stays it the Big 12? <laughs> well, well, I'm not well, saying, what would you but, go with? I don't know. Come up with like the... <laughs> I don't know the... Something that something that doesn't involve the number that's not how many number of teams you have. You can't your call conference.
2: it like a geographical thing because if you have schools all over, you can't do that.
3: You could. You could be like the you know. You could call it like the the Midwest something. But it, like, it wouldn't be. You'd have Gonzaga and UConn well, well, and BYU. You just, have, you just say eh, whatever. You just say you know. <laughs> or call it like the coast to coast league.
2: Coast to coast.
3: I'd rather coast just coast stay in the Big twelve
2: or go to the Big 16 at that point. Wait,
3: but what could what could this mean?
2: A brand refresh next year without well, changing that?
3: I know. Well, because well, obviously, if they were going to hypothetically change their name, they'd have to change the logo. The logo is a twelve.
2: So what? You got to change that. This is this reeks of me of like the the person who takes over at a new business and they come in and be like. We're gonna be smarter, faster, <laughs> fresher, stronger, Maybe, and okay. more whatever than this. And then and everybody's like, okay, I understand what you're going for, but like what does that actually mean? Maybe
3: he's just floating the brand refresh to see how people like us respond to it. Like, are they gonna have commercials that go out of like kids like on
2: TikTok doing big twelve stuff and they're like, This is us now. We're the <laughs> we're the cool, fresh, young
3: hip. And it's like sometimes those ideas Dude, they're very let, bad. Hey, so, don't don't give Brett Yormark any extra this ideas. This is a bit man. of a worry. For don't me. don't give him any extra ideas. You don't need to be talking about I, TikTok. I am worried. That next thing you know, it'll be the TikTok conference. Honestly, that
2: yes, that it'll be like the Big 12 brought to you by TikTok or something. Or Big 12 brought to you by you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be something. Yeah, I, that, I'm a little scared by that to be completely okay.
3: honest. Yeah, no, I the the I think what scares me is the open endedness of it. Yes, it could be anything. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it could be who knows what. Yeah. And it's obvious already that Brett Yormark's mind is full of literally insane ideas.
2: We're no longer a football conference. We're a cooking show conference. Oh, I'd be super down for that. I would too. Um, And then here's the last, uh, I guess there's actually two more. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark said details about Mexico plans will come out next week. So, I mean, I guess.
3: Yeah, uh, this is more of kind of. We don't really understand it. next week. Yeah. I guess. Uh, and then, you know, because I was trying to justify this even more in my head, and I was like, you know, I, my first thought, we talked about this, I think, last time this got brought up about, the, like, the Texas schools, I guess, maybe might have some pull. And then I was thinking, well, like, you know, like a city like San Antonio, which has a deep Hispanic culture, might be nice, but there's, Big 12 doesn't have a team in San Antonio. No. So, no, and,
2: and they're losing Texas. And also if you live in San Antonio and have a big Hispanic population, it doesn't help if you're playing the game in Mexico and not San Antonio.
3: Well, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> so, like you might have more fans more interested in something like
2: that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird to me. Yeah, but um, that
3: one that one is 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 a bit of a head-scratcher.
2: And then uh, here's the last one. Also said the league has discussed extending its championship sites in Arlington for football and baseball, Kansas City for basketball, and Oklahoma City for softball. That is music to my ears.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm fine with all that. I actually prefer baseball at NOKC also.
2: Okay, I, I'll i be honest. I don't really have a preference for that one. I've never I've, been to either. I, so.
3: I, I've been to the Big 12 baseball tournament in Oklahoma City. I thought it was great. The, the ballpark they played at, which in is Bricktown, Bricktown. Town, right? Yeah, Bricktown Ballpark, which is at the AAA of the Dodgers, yeah. I think. Uh it's 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 a it's still got size, but it's small enough to where enough fans show up and it feels like there's a real atmosphere. I gotta be honest. My from what I could tell from the Big 12 baseball tournament, it's just you know, you're playing it in a fifty thousand person stadium and you're getting maybe five thousand people out there and it just it's just not the same. It's just not the same. That's so correct. I don't really love that that much. I liked Oklahoma City fine as it was. But I understand there's probably a money grab involved and they're probably getting a lot more money to play it in Arlington or whatever, so I get it. I don't really love it that much. But yeah. but I guess if the trade-off is you get to keep basketball in Kansas City, which is obviously great for KU, then so be it. Yeah, I
2: think that's that's really the one I cared about the most. Like Honestly, if they were like, we're going to put the Big 12 football championship here, I'd be like, okay, whatever. We're going to make it the the team with the better record, like, I'd be, okay, that's fine. Uh, with, but, with like, with basketball, football, I haven't done it. where else would they do it? Well, they've done it before in, I think, Dallas, and they've done it before in Oklahoma City, and the turnouts just have not been good. Yeah. And then there was... Think, well, it's because of Iowa State
3: and, and KU, obviously. Yeah, of course. KU so, and like, Iowa
2: State. It's not just the... Like, of course, selfishly, I do love the Big 12 tournament being right in our backyard where we can easily go up to the games and cover the games or go see the action and stuff. Like, selfishly, I love it. But also from a non-selfish perspective... They they get so much better support when it is in Kansas City. Yes, and so it's so well, think dumb about it. if they were gonna move what, it.
3: What percentage of fans in Kansas City would you say is just Iowa State and KU fans?
2: Yeah, and even K State in there too, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what
3: percentage is it? Is it is it forty percent of all the oh, fans that It's more than are there?
2: that. It's more than that. I
3: mean, think about it. Like when
2: Iowa State is playing a game against I don't know, like West Virginia, for instance, seventy five percent of the fans are Iowa State fans.
3: When and it's and it's like and it, it's not like it's like half full. Yeah. It's usually
2: full. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing when KU is playing another school. Like when Kansas yeah. State, maybe not quite as much, but they still have a better turnout than you know West Virginia and <laughs> Texas and stuff. So but like, the rally
3: situation is like, no matter where you put the basketball tournament or any of these tournaments, schools like West Virginia are not going to turn out very well unless course. you pl- unless you're playing it like in Pittsburgh, which obviously doesn't make and any then sense.
2: A lot of every other school is <laughs> not going to turn out.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: so I—that's I, music to my ears. I know there were even some rumblings about people being like, "Oh, he wants to move it to New York or Las Vegas and make oh, it this big yeah. event." That—that that just wouldn't really make sense. I'm now, guessing
3: the New York crap probably got shut down. Yeah, by the ads, because he's a I'm big guessing, New York guy. I'm guessing the ads were like, "Brett, yeah. dude, seriously, I you're could get on move board." It a thousand miles away from every school in the yeah, whole conference. Yeah, I I could get it on board
2: with like you add the Arizona schools and. You added Gonzaga And once every five years You go to Vegas Get a Vegas trip out of it That'd be sweet you know, That might be fun Every yeah, now and then To that. change it up But yeah. no Kansas City's the spot To be for it So that's uh, music to my ears For sure Alright he's Nick Springer I'm Derek Johnson We have Cole Aldridge Joining the show In less than 15 minutes From right now This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk On KLWN depending on it Joined now by a very special guest here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Cole Aldridge, who typically have on around this time of year when we get the chance to uh, come on. Always a, a great athlete, not in terms of just what he did at KU, but to come back and, and everything that he does with the Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic, which he'll be a part of this year as well. Again, you can come out to the uh, game on Thursday night. You can see we tickets here in Lawrence at 23rd Street Brewery. So I guess uh, just first things first, very, very generic question, Cole. I, I think last time we talked to you last year, uh, you, you were mentioning how uh, you, you had really gotten into cycling, into biking long distances and stuff. What, what are you kind of up to these days?
4: The same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so have that yeah, grown? I, I went out for a bike ride this morning. Um, I passed like 3,000 miles last week, I think, on the year. Wow. So, you know, just a lot of biking, a lot of hanging out. We moved um, – last fall. So we're still kind of trying to get our house all situated and all that. And just enjoying the summer because finally the snow has melted and and (laughs) the heat is here in Minnesota.
2: Yeah. Minnesota always great spot to be during the summer. I don't know how you do it during the winter. Um, Now with the biking, uh, would there ever be an Avenue that we could get you to bike all the way down from Minnesota to Lawrence, if it involved some sort of charitable venture with the round ball classic?
4: We we need to talk to Brian about that. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, a lot of bike rides. There's there's so there's a big bike ride in uh, Emporia going on this weekend called the Unbound, and thousands of people ride it, and there's all sorts of diff- distances. But one is like three hundred and fifty miles. Wow! And I was like, man, that's basically riding from almost the Twin Cities. To Kansas City. And I'm like, holy cow, that is a hike.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, heck, if, if, I don't know, maybe we get some sort of support along the way, if, <laughs> if that's ever a thing. Uh, now, now, Brian was telling us on yesterday's show how uh, you have a busy schedule upcoming this week, and you're still making this work to come to the the game, which I think is just really cool in general and, and shows you how important this event is with the local Lawrence community and all these families. So why why is this event so important for you that, that you, keep making your trip out here to Lawrence for it every year?
4: Well, the people of Lawrence and Kansas and all the KU fans, they, you know, they supported me not only my three years when I was playing at KU, but you know, when I was playing in the league and when I played in China a little bit. And, you know, I, I see people with the Jayhawk hat on or shirt every once in a while. And, you know, they'll, they'll say rock talk And it's just, it's a great feeling. We have such a great fan base and, and the people are wonderful, and you know if it's just a little bit of going out of and playing and getting trying to get back in shape, basketball shape a little bit, and playing in these games to to raise a bunch of money for families that need it. I'm I'm all for it.
2: Yeah, this it's such an event uh, every year that I, I really just enjoy. And you see the I don't know how much the community is, is willing to support everyone and around. Uh, whether it's just, you know, the kids or, or people donating their time, their effort, their money, whatever it is. Um, uh, do you have a favorite round ball moment or memory, whether it's, you know, just playing in the game or, or meeting up with, with old teammates or, or helping out one of the kids or anything?
4: You know, I think it's tenfold. It It brings a lot of people back, you know, player wise, you know, there's players that now I'm kind of, I'm becoming an old player since I I haven't been there in almost 15 years. And, you know, you get to see some of the younger guys and they're going through, you know, their professional careers. And then you get some of the older guys who, you know, have normal lives and kids and families. And we all come together and it's for one cause. It's for all the kids that that need help and are going through really some serious illnesses and their family just have financial struggles and you know we're all there it's great to see you know previous generations and the generations that are happening now that are playing and you know anything to help the the families is is a great thing
2: yeah absolutely and and you mentioned something there with the the different generations of Jayhawks that kind of get together <laughs> with all this and you know I know over the course of of time it's it's not just this that Bill self will have past players back around the program and um even during the summer sometimes you have different scrimmages and stuff but i mean have you have you grown close to any like former KU players whether it was players before your time or after your time that that maybe you didn't really get to to play with or interact with a ton from from not actually being in school together
4: You know i think for me it's it's seeing guys that you know not only did i play with like Tyrell, you know, we were roommates and Mario Little and, you know, some of the older guys like Greg Ostertag has kind of started to come back and, you know, Billy Thomas and just kind of all those guys. And you see each other that one time a year and, and, and you just catch up and, you're, and, and you look forward to it and you're excited to see everybody.
2: Well, you know, you, you said that you're, you're becoming one of the older players in this event, but, I mean, you're still just a, a spry 34-year-old, right? So, I mean, uh, do, do you have any plans, any ideas of, like, what the, the target goal for you to be keep playing would be versus switching over to maybe being on the coaching side of things?
4: You know, I, I'm in shape, so I always get out and enjoy playing. You know, it's it's less stress. It's, it's just going out and having fun, mm-hmm. and, and I enjoy playing quite frankly it's the only time that i play basketball <laughs> through the whole year so i look forward to it it's like my super bowl
2: <laughs> okay well you scored 14 points in it last year and i remember asking you uh because we do our points draft where we just you know we ha- we have a couple people here try to figure out who can collect the most points with all the players and, and i think i asked you could could you give us 10 points last year and you said oh yeah definitely and you you surpassed that you got to 14 Uh, What would you you set the uh, over-under on your points this
4: year? Do you think you can get back to 14 this year? I think that's a feasible thing. You know, it's always funny because I I talk to Tyrell, but I always stay at his house when I come to town. And we always joke, for some reason, Tyrell has a heyday. Every (laughs) year, Tyrell has like 25, And he gets easy dunks, he hits a few threes, and then all of a sudden, there he goes, he's got 25 for the night. Um, so yeah, I think he's your sleeper. If you if you do your points pick this year, he's he's definitely your sleeper.
2: Yeah, he had 17 in, in last year's event. I remember um, we we have some stats going back from some past like you know local newspaper articles and stuff. There was a year that wasn't on one of these years where I th- I think to your point, he put up like 40 40 something points where he just kind of went off in in the game. Uh, the guy who who tends to go off a ton is is Ben Macklemore. Is it is uh-huh. it funny at all when um, you're in the I don't know the huddles of some of these and and you can see some of the guys who are approaching it as just a fun event versus when it gets down to crunch time and, and some of the guys are like no like we have to win.
4: I think that's the best part about it is it's fun, you know, you get some of the kids out on the court and they get a bucket and you have that good camaraderie and then it gets to the end where everybody's like okay, now my competitive competitiveness is kicking in and I want to win this game. And and the fans love that.
2: Well, I, I have a theory that in, in this game that if any of the big men, yourself included, just went up with every offensive rebound that you could score 30, 40 points easily. That's, that's obviously not as, as fun for you, but it feels like there are a lot of times where you might get an offensive rebound and it's just like, ah, eh, I'll just kick it out.
4: I'll go up with those this year. <laughs>
2: okay, Okay. so maybe a, a new uh, career high for Cole in the uh, Rochelle Ball Classic this year. Um, I, I do have a, a KU question for you here. Uh, obviously, things are a little bit different now in the college game than, than when you were in school, and, and they've just changed so rapidly really over the last, I don't know, three or four years with NIL, with the transfer portal being so rampant. Have you thought about it all what it would have been like when you were in school if if this stuff would have been around, both in terms of, I don't know, how you would have been impacted NIL-wise to how the transfer portal would have affected things for either yourself or or other players that you played with?
4: Sure. You know, there are those thoughts of hearing, you know, you hear guys that are, like, signing these big deals and they make hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, when we were in college – it was the experience and that's that's all we have because the rules said otherwise, you know, now they've opened everything up. And, you know, I, I truly believe that these kids deserve all the money that they're getting because, you know, they're hopefully going to set themselves up to be financially successful later in life, just from the sheer fact, if they don't make it to the NBA or professionally playing basketball overseas, you know, you still are able to, you know, make a lot of money, play basketball, do what you love doing, and if you're smart, you can really you know get a step up financially in, in life. So you obviously had the,
2: the, the great sophomore season where you're breaking out with Sharon in your first year as a starter, but then you came back for your junior year. Was that at all a discussion for you at that point in time about going to the NBA, or were you fully set on coming back for your junior year?
4: You know, I was really close to leaving. I sat down with Scooter, who is our academic advisor at the time. And, and, you know, the biggest thing that I wanted to do was put myself in a position to get close to graduating and make it easier because, you know, I learned through talking with a bunch of older players that it's so hard to go back to school after you've been removed from it so long. So my junior year, when I came back, that was that was kind of our plan was to find a way that we can have a lot of credit that wouldn't get in the way of, of what basketball did, but also set up because like now basketball has ended for me and, and, and there's a lot of life afterwards. And, you know, I I need to understand to have an education was, was a big part. And I wanted to teach my son, even though he wasn't alive that you know you finish that and and that is a good
2: thing to have yeah and so obviously i would have imagined that nil could have made that an even maybe i don't know maybe a little bit easier decision Mm -hmm. do do you think uh, it's hard to say because you end up being a first round pick and you know there a lot of money and guarantees that are attached with that but if there would have been nil at the time do you think there would have been even any consideration then at that point for you coming back for your senior year
4: um, I think, I think at the point where I was after my junior year, it just kind of made sense to go pro, um, you know, now with NIL, I think there's a whole nother dynamic because some kids are making a few hundred thousand dollars a year. And if they go pro, they may not make that much. You know, we mm-hmm. think about all the money of the first round and the NBA and extensions and hundreds of millions of dollars. But in reality, basketball overseas doesn't pay a ton. And, you know, people, I think, are going to use the transfer portal to make as much money as they can. And it's going to be, I think the transfer portal is going to be a huge thing, as we saw for KU this summer of, you know, putting together a team. I
2: mean, you've been you've been in those rooms with with Bill Self, I'm sure where he's kind of talked you through the NBA draft stuff. and And you mentioned about you had kind of accomplished everything you needed to. And obviously, you were a first round pick. so so it made so much sense to go. Uh, what do you think those conversations are like now then with the NIL? Like like, obviously, if you're a Grady Dick from this year who's going to be a lottery pick, I would imagine it's still that conversation. But uh, Bill Self, for the most part, seems like someone to me who very much would kind of shoot you straight and tell you that, yeah, it's time for you to go. But at the same point in time, now that there's NIL, I, I wonder if you would be having more of those conversations about, well, you you could come back and, and do this or that.
4: Yeah, you know, that's the great thing about Coach Self is he, he sees the whole picture of everything. He understands when... It's the right time for a guy to go. Sometimes, you know, the player has that decision to make themselves. Um, but with the NIL, I think it's gonna it's gonna make rosters so much more flexible, which puts a lot of stress on your recruiters, your assistant coaches, because before the transfer portal was like, oh, okay, well, this guy. His head coach left and the NCAA granted him a transfer and now it, it's pretty much open so you can you can have a good year and then some guy is like, Okay, well I had a really good year. Now I want to go to a, a better school and maybe they'll pay me more and maybe I have a better chance of making it elsewhere. And it's gonna it's gonna create a whole nother dynamic for coaches and, and their staffs. Yeah. It's something else that, that I think
2: is interesting about, and I don't know, maybe this was just um, kind of, it, it's dependent on the player. It's more unique to person to person, but it feels like nowadays, when, whenever I'll, I'll get a chance to, to talk to different players who are maybe even top 50, top 60 recruits, uh, you'll hear them talking about wanting to be a one and done. And, you know, I, I never blame someone for doing that. You, if you're an athlete at the highest level, you should have all the confidence in the world in yourself because you have to, to to be good and everything. But you obviously joined a KU roster when you came in as, you know, a top whatever you were, top 20, top 30 recruit in the country that was pretty loaded at the forward and center position with, you know, future NBA guys all over the court. Uh, so when, when you chose to come to KU was there was there a full understanding for you that yeah it might be hard to get playing time right away like was the idea for you um about having some sort of plan to eventually getting to the NBA or was that kind of out of your mind at that point
4: you know I think when I committed I knew that D Manning was going to be there and that we had a bunch of really good seniors that that came back you know Sasha Darnell Shady was kind of on the fence of leaving and and he stayed uh, for his junior year. But I knew after that, we didn't really have anybody. So I knew that if I kind of took my first year and, and, you know, honestly, this isn't for everybody because people always want to jump into it and play and do that. Mine was kind of a longevity of knowing that, hey, you know, my first year, maybe I won't play maybe as much as I want to, And I think I found probably that first week, I was like, whoa, maybe I'm not ready to play as much as I, as I thought I should or could, because you see how good those guys are. Um, But then my, then my sophomore year, it became Sharon and I, and you know, that came from a big leap of learning and having to be kind of a nobody in a sense, having no pressure on me to now here I am, it's, it's Sharon and I, and all the pressure is on you and, and if you don't succeed, then you're at all.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, Cole, I, I appreciate the time and, and taking some time out of your day. We're, we're looking forward to seeing you next Thursday for the Round Ball Classic. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll be circling you now with getting some of those putbacks and, uh, I don't know, maybe 20-plus <laughs> points in the card. Cole, I appreciate the time as always,
4: man. Of course. I'm going for 40. Oh! <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. We'll get you one of those Wilt Chamberlain... Uh, uh, 100 signs, but we, we'll have it say 40, so we'll have it ready for you. Just in case you do it, you can take a picture after the <laughs> game. Awesome.
4: Uh,
2: uh, thank you, man.
4: guys.
2: That was Cole Aldridge. Always enjoy chopping it up with Cole. One of the nicest guys you'll meet and always a huge uh, supporter and uh, somebody who helps out a lot with the Rock Round Roundball Classic, as we were talking about with Brian Haney on yesterday's show. Uh, that'll do it for the first hour of the show. We have RCST trivia coming up in the next hour, Kyle Martin versus Justin Nichols. We also have a uh, some KU football content in the 5 o'clock hour. Plenty more here on RCST. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn klwn.com, the KLWN app. We have our second phenomenal four matchup of RCST trivia, which is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rap Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Home Field Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. And uh, we already know Isaac will be playing for the championship Brian will be playing for the third place matchup. We're going to find out who's going to meet both those guys with this matchup. Kyle Martin against Justin Nichols.
3: Okay, I have a thought going back to a conversation we had yesterday Mm -hmm. about the trophy. Does the trophy need a name? Does it need, like, you know, you have the Lombardi Trophy, the Stanley Cup, the whatever the hell the NBA trophy is called. Larry O'Brien. The O'Brien Trophy? Mm -hmm. Okay, there we go. Okay, you have that. Does does the RCST trivia trophy need a name on it? Maybe it need to be the blank RCST trophy. Yeah, but who would we name it after? Is the problem like? Well, should we, I mean, do we, we name it after Isaac? We name it after Has anybody won we the want. First one? We're the ones that are doing the naming, so who cares? You just name it the Johnson Trophy if you want. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you're the one that created myself. it. Well, think about it. I mean, if you're a f- if you're the founder of the tournament, is that not unreasonable? To think that it could just be your name? No, I guess. I guess that's possible. I got to say, though, the Johnson Trophy just doesn't sound very good. No. See, to me, this is more about the aesthetic. It's got to sound good. Like, the Lombardi Trophy, it just sounds cool. It sounds awesome. So we need a cool, you know, something rolls off the tongue well. So
2: I have my, uh, my name... I got changed at Ellis Island. Not, not like my name, but like my you know forefather's name, family or name. Yeah, family name. There we go. That's what we're looking for there. I got changed at at Ellis Island. It was okay. Webkowski, which is spelled in an L, not a not a W. Oddly enough. Wait, what? Yeah, Polish. So it different was
3: pronounced stuff. Webkowski. Webkowski. Yeah, it's
2: spelled what L-E-P-K-O-W-S-K-I, I believe S K I. I believe. Um, we could call it the Webkowski. Because that—that's what all those have. In, like the Lombardi, that's a you know, it's a unique last
3: name, right? Like Johnson is that? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, Johnson does nothing for me. No. No. I I I don't think you should call it that at all. I'm just throwing it out there. We don't have to sit here right now and proclaim a name. I'm just saying we need to start a dialogue. Yeah. About this. No, I understand. I
2: I think that would be a good I mean, idea. I guess
3: you could just call it the RCST Trivia Trophy. But that's but, what we
2: call it anyway. Well, I know. So we need. To- <laughs> you can't call it the Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You know, that's just. <laughs> the name of it, basically, anyway. So, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Well, uh, food for thought. If you have any uh, suggestions on that, hit us up at RCST1320 sure, yeah. on Twitter.
3: Anyways, about the matchup. Kyle finally broke through. He got past the sizzling 16. Then he got past the phenom- the grade 8 into the phenomenal 4. And Justin was third place, right, last year? So, this is going to be the, the real test of your theory about going to third place as the champion. Well, it's not a theory. It's just the the past of, of history. It's what has happened. Well, it seems happened. like it's a theory that it's going to continue to happen, though.
2: right? I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is what happened over the last two years. That oh. third place has gone to so win the So it's not title. a
3: theory? It's a fact. It's a fact.
2: That is what happened <laughs> over the last two years. Um, Kyle is the winner of the Pella Windows and Doors region. Next trivia question, what windows and doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence to Dodge City. Got a windows and doors project. Pella Kansas is here locally owned and proudly serving Jayhawks for over 65 years with windows and doors solutions for every home and any budget. Schedule your free consultation at PellaKansas.com. Kyle, to get here, got through the 14 seed Spencer, the 11 seed Lane, the 7 seed Steve and the 5 seed Chris. For Justin, meanwhile, he is the winner of the Johnny's Tavern region. In 2023, Johnny's is celebrating its 70th anniversary, and that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about the 70th anniversary at the original location in North Lawrence. Of course, we're going to have our RCST uh, reunion or whatever you want to call it on June 11th, which is a Sunday, um, You can eat the new Kalush pizza, any of the great food or beer like the new Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. Justin, to get here, the one seed took down the 16, Christopher, the nine seed Jess, the 13 seed Chris, and the six seed Ben. But let's learn more about our contestants. Let's send it to our PA man, Joel Becker. For fourth-year contestant
0: Kyle Martin, this year has been a year of breakthroughs. After three straight sizzling 16s, this was the year he made his first grade 8, and now Phenomenal 4. He's broken through his past like the Kool-Aid man breaking through a poorly built wall. Oh yeah! Now he's gone from consistent to just flat-out dangerous. Going 14-1 on questions during his first four victories, the winner of the Pella Windows and Doors Region, Kyle Martin. (laughs) After a bronze and a strong third-place finish in 2022, Justin Nichols could have rested on his laurels. Instead, he's cruised through to a second straight phenomenal four. And now we'll look to follow the path of our last two champions in going from third to first. An attorney by day and a trivia vigilante by night. Where's the answer? I know you wouldn't give it to a normal person. He's become one of the most consistent competitors in trivia. Going 17-2 on questions across his quartet of wins, the champion of the Johnny's Tavern region, Justin Nichols. And I'm troubled. Last week, messed around and got a triple-double.
3: Freaking brothers everywhere. Two Nichols are better than a dime. Today was a
4: good day.
2: Thank you, Joel. As always, a great I love the... <laughs> the Kool-Aid man thing there. Uh, That was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, uh, I'm excited for this one. It should be fun. Justin versus Kyle. One versus three seed. Winner will take on Isaac next week in the RCST Trivia Championship. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, Riverette, Print and Skate, our title sponsors. Let's get into the matchup. Well, to this point, both of you guys have already accrued some nice prizes, a gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, RCST Trivia T-shirt from River at Print and Skate, tickets to a Sporting KC2 game. That was for making the sizzling 16. Then for making last round, the grade eight, you each get a blue or white number one Kansas basketball mini jersey from mini jerseys, a T-shirt from Home Field Apparel. Use code RCST at checkout. A voucher for a free sandwich and breakfast sandwich to McDonald's, $14 car wash pass at Mr. D's Auto Wash, auto entry into Trivia. And now for making the Phenomenal Four, you'll both be one seeds next year, so that'll be fun. You also get a $50 gift card to Johnny's Tavern, a Johnny's Tavern hat, RCST Trivia, Phenomenal Four t shirt, and RCST hat with a Phenomenal Four logo on the side from Prim. Uh, river at Prince skate and a phenomenal four trophy as part of that whoever wins this one you're going to be playing for the title against isaac henderson with a chance for all the glory and also some cool prizes but just for making the title round whoever wins this one gets another gift card to 23rd street brewery an engraved water bottle um slash tumbler whatever you want to call it from jayhawk trophy and a 25 dollars gift card to mcdonald's which those will also be the same prizes if you win the third place game which means you have a second chance, if you do lose in this game, to do that. Justin, I want to start with you. You finished third place a season ago, which means that you lost in this very round. And now you have the opportunity to basically do what Jimmy Butler did. Jimmy Butler goes to the Eastern Conference Finals, loses to the Celtics in Game 7, says, we're going to be back here. They were back there, and they got through. Do you feel like you have extra motivation to get past this round?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I actually was when I was listening to you guys yesterday and hearing the, you know, the last couple of times, the person who took third one of the next year made me think that maybe it's just a destiny thing. Right. You just have to break through eventually. And so uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping that this will be this will be the year and um, certainly get. Yeah. you know If, if you get to this point, and you need extra motivation. I don't know what you're doing. This is we're here to win at this point.
2: Kyle, this is the furthest you've ever made it and vindication for you to be able to hang a banner here to make a phenomenal four. But now that you're here, you're not done yet. Uh, what are your thoughts headed into this matchup?
5: Yeah, the, the first text I saw yesterday was, was Isaac telling me the pressure's on uh, to get to the title game. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Justin. Right? If, if you've made it this far and you need extra motivation, uh and then what's the point of, of doing this whole competition so uh we're, we're here to win and uh we signed up for i don't know if justin's done it all four years but i know i have and and here we are trying to to get another trophy, so certainly excited for
2: today. Yeah, the records between the 2 of you are very, very good. Justin is eleven and two all time in matchups, forty-one and seven on questions, seventeen and two this year. This is obviously a second phenomenal for Kyle. You have gone ten and three in matchups, forty-three and eight on questions, fourteen and one this season. Uh, you are the lower seed here, Kyle, and you haven't had to do this the entire tournament. So, what <laughs> what are you going to decide? You want to go first, or do you want to go second? I'm going to go first. All right. First it is. I'm sure you uh, thought long and hard about that over the last week or so to figure out what you wanted to do. Justin, that means you're up second. We will start in the easy round of questions and go to you first, Kyle. This Kansas guard slash wing was known for his defensive play from 2018 to 2021 and wore the number zero uniform. What's his name? Marcus Garrett. Yep, Marcus Garrett, great defender, all-time at KU. Justin, one of his teammates at one point, this KU point guard was known for his driving ability from 2018 to 2020 and wore both number one and number 11 uniforms over his two years.
1: Devon Dotson.
2: Yep, Devon switched up jersey numbers. That could be some tricky hard ones down the road and you know, a future year. What number did Devon start with? What number did he finish with? Okay, second easy question. Back to you, Kyle. This Jayhawk led Kansas with 31 points scored in the 1988 National Championship game. Danny Manning. I feel like we haven't had as many Danny Manning questions as years past. We maybe used them all up, but yes, Danny Manning, the correct answer there. Justin, your second question. Despite losing in triple overtime... This Jayhawk center led Kansas with 23 points in the 1957 national title game.
1: I was listening to you yesterday, and you were saying if it's in the 50s, you always should guess Wilt Chamberlain, so it's Wilt Chamberlain. Yep, Wilt in the 50s, Danny in the
2: 80s, UCLA in the 70s. Usually that'll get you around the ballpark. All right, we're through the easy round. We're going to move up to the medium round and go back to you, Kyle. What is the lowest or worst seed, essentially, that Bill Self has ever gotten in an NCAA tournament in his time at Kansas? Four. Yep, they've gotten four a couple times, actually. I think it's three times. I could be wrong with that. Um, I believe his first year. Obviously, they have the 2018-19 season and then uh, the year that they lost in the first round as well, which was, uh, I think, year three or year four for him, something like that. Uh, But, yeah, that's the worst. Pretty good living for KU. All right, Justin, your first medium question. How many NCAA tournament games did Roy Williams win in his first season at Kansas, so the 1988 to
1: 1989 season?
2: Zero. That's right, because he didn't get to play in the tournament. They were suspended, postseason ban from the old uh, Larry Brown days, so he didn't get to win any. All right, Kyle, back to you. What jersey number did Marcus Morris wear at Kansas? Marcus Morris was
5: 22.
2: He was, not to be confused with his brother, Markeef Morris. Marcus Morris did wear 22. Wait, they were brothers? (laughs) Yeah, who knew? Um, Okay, Justin, for you. What jersey number did Perry Ellis wear at Kansas?
1: Perry
2: with 34. Perry did wear 34. Good KU players have certainly worn that number. Go back to Paul Pierce, Perry Ellis, and uh, others that are eluding me at this time. All right, we're going to move up to the hard round of things, just where we'd want to be for a phenomenal four matchup. Winner will take on Isaac for the championship, for the big screen TV, for the overnight stay at the Oriette, all that sort of stuff, and the pride of being the champion, trying to stay alive here. Into the hard round, back to you, Kyle. This Jayhawk forward transferred in from Lamar, and wore the number four uniform for the 2011 through 2014 teams at Kansas, appearing in 70 games off the bench.
5: Justin Wesley.
2: Yes, Justin Wesley. For me, most known for... I I remember at one point there was like a student uh, movie production of a Wilt Chamberlain movie, and he played Wilt Chamberlain in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, that could be a trivia question down the road. All right, Justin, this one for you. This Jayhawk guard transferred in from USC and wore the number five uniform for the 2005 to 2008 teams at Kansas?
1: Roderick Stewart.
2: Yep. Roderick Stewart, the correct answer there. Unfortunately, he, uh, I forget if it was torn ACL. Some bad injury he suffered during, like, layup lines or something before the uh, national title game that, that kept him out of it. Um, okay. Second hard question. Back to you, Kyle. In Kansas' 2000 first-round NCAA tournament win over DePaul. What Jayhawk logged a double-double? What Jayhawk forward, I should say, logged a double-double with 13 points and 10 rebounds. 10 seconds.
5: Say Drew Gooden. We
2: heard Isaac talking yesterday that his hard question was a 50-50. That was kind of the same one. You were probably between Drew and Nick. Unfortunately, it was Nick Collison was the correct answer there. Justin, you have a chance to play for the title on this question. In KU's first round win in 2007 over Niagara, what KU guard led the team with 19 points?
1: Uh, We're going to go Mario Chalmers.
2: That is correct. I don't know if you had a couple. That was the same one. You could have guessed Mario. You could have guessed B-Rush. I guess you could have guessed Russell Robinson. Uh, Even Sharon Collins is a freshman at that point in time. But you had the right answer. Mario Chalmers with 19 points and three steals. And you are moving on to the title game, Justin. So the the potential prophecy of going from third to winning it all is still possibly alive here. Do you feel like you are the uh, player of destiny?
1: Um, you know, I don't know about destiny. I I, I know that I, I mean, realistically here, honestly, Isaac's probably going to kick my butt, um, but he's he's really good. And I just have gotten pretty lucky on some questions. Um, Kyle probably is going to do it next year. He'll take the third place and then take first. And I think he's he's a he's a pretty solid player, too. So if I get that, it'll be it'll be more luck than anything. But uh, I'm I'm glad to be in a position where it's even a possibility.
2: Would you have known the last one, the Drew Gooden or Nick Collison?
1: I would have guessed Collison, but it would have been a guess.
2: Yeah, uh, was the Mario one a guess, an educated guess, or, or what was your level there?
1: Educated guess. I was I was trying to decide between Sharon and Mario and Russ. Um, didn't honestly didn't even think of, of b Rush. So thank God it wasn't that. Um, and. Uh, narrowed it down to russ and mario and thought which one scores more
2: and so on with chalmers uh, kyle would you have gotten the mario chalmers one
5: yeah i would have had chalmers mm. uh spent a decent amount of time on the leading scores in the game tried to pick up the box score stuff which i think is just harder to remember um yeah i would have had rio but yeah i'm, I'm with you it's 50 50 wrote down Gooden, said Gooden, but uh I'll have to go look to see what
2: he did in that game now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that that's certainly a tough one there. Um, And and Kyle, I guess, thoughts now. Where where do you go from here? Is the third-place game, because we hear all, all the time about this in, like, soccer, like in the World Cup, they have the third-place game. And sometimes the players, like, they're just like, eh, I don't really care to be here. But in this, you you do have chance for prizes. And because of the past history of what third-place has done the next year, I, I don't know, what does the third-place game mean to you now?
5: Yeah, I, I should probably uh, – lock in and, and try to win because that might mean future uh championship opportunity but yeah i got i got a work trip early next week we'll uh we'll try to uh, focus in as the as the week goes on um but uh yeah it'll have a certain i it'll have a different feel to it i imagine uh than uh competing for a championship but Justin Isaac will be fun to listen to that's for sure
2: so i'm looking at the box score now by the way of the game the importance of that nick collison was the team leader in rebounds he had 10 he was also the only player on KU who had a double-double with 13 and 10. Drew Gooden had just four points in that game. Unfortunately, he was uh, two for eight from the floor. That was a great Kenny Gregory game, 11 of 12 from the field with uh, 22 points. Well, Kyle, we'll see you back in the third place game. Justin, congrats on moving forward and uh, should be a fun one between you and Isaac. Thank you. Wow, so Justin comes out with the victory there. Tough one. I, I think those questions were totally fair. Um, I, I think you'd say that the forward one, that you know, you're know you pretty much between Nick and Drew, so you have kind of a 50-50 shot. I think the Mario one, like, maybe it's more of a true 50-50 shot with Collison versus um, Gooden, and it's harder to... Have a educate, educated guess on which one you're going to take on the fifty-fifty coin, whereas is it the Mario one? Maybe you have a better educated guess with it, um, but also you have more options for the Mario one because there was Russ, Rob, Sharon, and and Brandon Rush. So I, I think those were fair.
3: Yeah, hundred percent agree. And and he mentioned it with the question we asked to Isaac yesterday. I it, Isaac said himself he was 50-50 on that one. I mean, sometimes the coin flips one way, sometimes it flips the other, and it's 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 unfortunate. It's a tough way to go out and. Yeah, a real heartbreaker, but uh, you know, uh, for me, going into this phenomenal four, I was looking forward to just the fact that you know all four of these guys were going to get a chance to play again, win or lose, right? Which is, which obviously you never, you don't want to be playing in the the quote unquote the consolation third place Mm. game, but just that made me personally feel a little bit better because these are four really, really, really smart guys that really, really know their stuff, Uh, and so just the opportunity for them to continue to showcase what they know, I thought was cool, but. Yeah, that's that that is a a tough one because you're right. It is really kind of just a true. If you don't, if you're not 100% sure, it's it could go either way. But you know, that's how things go in the tournament setting, right? Sometimes you're not sure, and it just you know you you put a three up from the corner. Sometimes it falls, sometimes it doesn't. It's a
2: good way of putting it. Well, I I think that. Um... It's cool for Justin because you, we still have the the chance at history now with, oh, yeah. with that third place. So that this pattern would be the third straight year, right? If it did happen, yeah. But Isaac has the chance to become the first two-time champ. So either way, you have a storyline there. Uh, by the way, Justin joins a fraternity of now. There are five guys all-time who have even had a chance to play for the RCST title. Uh, Isaac has done it now three times. Eric has done it twice and then Tyler Justin now and Tate Voback have all done it one time so we'll either have a fourth champion with Justin or we'll have our first two-time champion with Isaac do you have any early read on that matchup
3: man well first of all Justin's being modest okay he definitely has a chance he definitely has a legitimate chance i mean he's come all this way you know uh, and has made an impressive run obviously i think the the aura of Isaac is is pretty scary but but listen, in the ma- in the final four matchup, he was he was basically on the ropes for that question, right? The the fifty fifty question. I mean, he could have yeah. easily gone out right there. So you know, depending on how the questions shake out, like it definitely is possible for Justin to get the win. Isaac's really really strong, obviously. And here here's what I think. I think for Justin, if it gets to the really hard, I don't know how much of a chance he has. I think he needs to win it earlier than the really hard because Isaac has literally nailed every single really hard question he's gotten almost instantly. So he's, and, and he, and it's it's clear based on what Isaac has said that he has devoted a lot of his time studying to those types of questions like the really hard stuff, right? Because he feels confident he can get there. So I think if Justin's going to win, he needs to find a way to for Isaac to slip up somewhere in the, like in the hard round, something like that, and then pounce on that opportunity if you're Justin.
2: Yep. I, I think you're 100%. It's almost like Isaac is like uh he just powers up
3: he just gets stronger well, it's and like stronger.
2: it's like you know how there's some hitters in the MLB who do like better against high velocity yeah like if, if you have a closer comes in and throws 99 he's just like no he hits fastballs really well like that's Isaac like the harder it gets the better he does so yeah you almost yeah. do need kind of that that trip up uh maybe at some point along the, the line there now our third place game Brian versus Kyle and you know it's it's not as important or big as the, the championship because of some of the prizes and the title and everything, but it's still a very important game. You still yes. have a chance to win some more prizes and obviously trying to uh, repeat At the very least, you can say whoever has finished third now <laughs> the last three years has at least been to the championship yes. game. Yes. So it does mean a lot. Do you have any read on that matchup?
3: Yeah, I I, I mean, listen, I've been the Brian guy <laughs> through and through all tournament long, uh, but this is a tough one because I do really like Kyle also. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because... Kind of like you talked about third place game, like, it, it, you know, Kyle obviously has been a part of that study group. Is he gonna? Is he gonna do that? Leading? Yeah, he, he gonna help is he, Isaac. Is he gonna study as gonna, much? Well, maybe they help each other now. Maybe it makes more sense
2: to do the study it group could. because he, you know, Kyle can help Isaac with the championship. Yeah. Isaac can help Kyle
3: with the third place as opposed yeah. to them
2: playing each other.
3: No, that's true. So, I, yeah, it's it's, and I think you know, there's a lot of pride on the line. This, you can still win some prizes, and again. If Justin does beat Isaac, you can, in the third place game, you can say, hey, if I win this, destiny is on, fate's on my side. Yeah.
2: No, that's for sure. All right, well, uh, RCST Trivia is brought to you by one of our title sponsors, Riverat Print and Skate. Riverat has screen printing and a skate shop, embroidery, and promotional products also available with art and logo creation. They are KU licensed. They have skateboards, longboards, paddleboards, and safety gear, and a large selection of shoes and apparel from well-known skate brands. They can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia shirts and hats. Follow them on Instagram at river__rat__print for the print shop and at Riverette Skate Shop for the skate side, or give them a call at 785-371-1660. We are also brought to you by title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery. Great spot to watch all the games. Check out the patio outdoors. You can bring your dog out there, and they've got great service, great beer, great food. Try the new Fitzgerald Rubin. Head out to Hawk Talk coming up uh, this upcoming Monday for the final one of the season with Dan Fitzgerald, and you can try the Fitzgerald Rubin then. Check them out in Lawrence with 23rd Street Brewery. All right, that's uh a phenomenal four-round. We'll have the championship matchup, third-place game coming up next week. This has been RCST trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River at Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Home Field Apparel, Sporting KC Two, McDonald's, and Mister D's Auto Wash. On Rock Chalk Sports Talk, depend on it. <laughs> Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Coming up in the five o'clock hour, we get to our KU football Friday. We have a lie detector test coming up as well. Uh, but it is that time on a Friday to get to our latest edition of Sports Stock Market here on RCST. And we're going to start things off with the sports stock market with stocks up on you being a happy man. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Friday. I'm, I'm happy. It's yeah. Friday in general. But Is there any the, other reasons why I should be yes, happy? Yes. The oh. NFL Okay. Passed a rule where if you fair catch inside, it's the college rule. Inside, you're on twenty-five. Oh, you just yes. get a touchback. Yeah, they did that. You at the... are a big proponent of yes. not returning kicks.
3: Well, a good uh, thing. specifically for the Chiefs. Okay, specifically for the Chiefs. You have the greatest offense. Every time the Chiefs would return kicks, they would get tackled like the fifteen-yard line. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so stupid. So yes, this is great. Hopefully, it means the Chiefs stop returning kicks. I think uh, it was Sam McDowell from the Kansas City Star who pointed out that the Chiefs uh, lost like their expected points. What I don't remember what the exact set is. Their EPA, yeah, EPA. They lost like nineteen. They lost like nineteen off their twenty-five kickoff returns.
2: Yes, so ridiculous. That'll Stop make you Stop turning
3: kickoffs. Other reasons so that yeah, you'd I'm be happy. happy about that. Yeah.
2: What's up? Uh you do not like sand. You or, I'm sorry. You do not like the ocean. You do not like the, the... I am not a big ocean guy. Correct. Now. Well, there's a pathogen storm of flesh-eating bacteria oh. invading Florida beaches right now.
3: Wow, that sounds terrible. So anti-ocean. Yeah. No, that's fine with me. I mean, I listen, I wasn't going to go to the ocean <laughs> you've been, anyways. You've been saying it for, for exactly. a long time. Yeah, like I mean, why would you I go in there? 100% agree. Why why why? So you can get your skin eaten off. Oh yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, let me just go in the ocean and get my skin ate off. Yeah, sweet. No, no. Listen, I've always said this. If people were made for to be in the water, we would have like gills or like, you know, web feet and things and you know fish stuff. No, land.
2: It says it's happening due to a brown and smelly algae known as sargassum, which is intertwining with plastic marine debris and a bacteria called Vibrio. FAU, I would imagine is it florida atlantic university isn't that fau yeah it is fau describes the latter as the dominant cause of death in humans from the marine environment wow so that's not good
3: yeah i'm going to continue to avoid the marine environment okay you've only furthered my position of i'm gonna stick on land okay that's
2: totally fine uh next one stock is up on you no longer being as happy though what why not well you you mentioned that uh, Sam McDowell wrote an article about the Chiefs losing all these expected points, and unfortunately for you, um, Dave Tobe said to local media that the Chiefs won't be taking advantage of the new kick kick return rule too often, and they want to stay aggressive.
3: Why? You have Mahomes! You have the greatest (laughs) offense of all time! Listen, my whole stance on this is, if you have a terrible offense, return as many kicks as you want. They suck anyways. Yeah. So you, maybe if you get more yards, that's fine. If you have an elite offense, there's no reason, zero reason, to take any risk. Because you don't need to gain the extra yards because your offense is so good. All you're doing is setting yourself further back. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Every time you see a kickoff return, they get tackled before the 25. Every time. Every time. When part the team's of the, haven't had a kickoff return for touchdowns since the Civil War.
2: Part of the quote from Dave Tobe was talking about you can't return a kickoff. For a touchdown, if you don't return the kick, well, the, the Chiefs—you don't need to return the kick for a touchdown. They also haven't had a kick return touchdown since Week Seven of 2020.
0: The Civil War.
2: <laughs> so now you are no longer happy, even despite the American rule revolution. Happens, it won't really matter. Uh, this is another reason you won't be as happy anymore. The Cheez It Bowl is no more. What? They got rid of the Cheez It Bowl. It is now the Pop Tarts Bowl.
4: Oh,
3: that—that that you actually, like Pop Tarts? That is devastating. Um, Pop Tarts are fine. I don't really. I, I never really ate them a lot when I was a kid, though. To be quite honest, I just I don't know. I, I haven't just, had a Pop Tart in a while. It's probably
2: been a couple years. You know, you, I do like Pop. tarts I like the though. s'mores
3: Pop Tarts. Put them in the toaster. S'mores toast are up. good. Yeah, there's it's funny. Like, there's certain Pop-Tarts, brown sugar ones.
2: I think there's certain Pop Tarts that are better cold versus better warm.
3: I would agree with that.
2: Like I think I think you're right. But the, see,
3: like I didn't like the strawberry ones. And like they have, like I the, think the fruit ones are better cold. They have like the. Uh, they're like the cake sprinkle ones. Yeah, I didn't I've never like had that those. one. They have, have like, like a like cookies those. and cream one that was a little too much. I didn't like that much. one either. I, yeah, was, I, think, I mainly stuck with the s'mores and s'mores, the cinnamon brown, brown sugar. sugar. Those are the two, top two for me. I far. love
2: the blueberry. I do like the strawberry. Those would be my top four in in somewhere.
3: Although I think there
2: was like an apple one that I remember being. But this is know.
3: this to circle back. This is yes. devastating. I mean, this is soul crushing news. No more Cheez-A-Bowl? Like what? So we this said last, then, you year, know, what, you know what else this means? What? No more ads where the guys like, "I woke up feeling the cheesiest." Coach, say goodbye to that. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Last year we we
2: said that if the if the KU would make the Cheez It Bowl, we would eat oh Cheez Its for a meal, for a whole day or, yes. or for a whole week or something like yes. that. Would you dare do that with Pop Tarts?
3: I think you might die. <laughs> it's all the sugar. In it. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I felt pretty confident that. Whatever damage you might do uh-huh. by eating Cheez-Its for a week, you, you could could be undone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case <laughs> with Pop-Tarts. Like, you might yeah. you might develop diabetes or something from eating them for an entire week. Yeah, that might not go go
2: super well. So it's not the Pop-Tarts Bowl, but I do appreciate that. But here's the good <laughs> news for you, Nick. Okay, yeah. Um, and on a positive. I guess, yeah, going going back to the positive side here. There will still be a Cheez-It-related bowl. Um, okay. If you remember the yeah, cheese- Why can't the Cheez-It Bowl just buy a different bowl? Well, they have the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl now. That's stupid. So it's not the Cheez-It Bowl. It's just like the Cheez-It. I guess they're splitting it with citrus all around the world. <laughs> what, what, what what even is that? What does that mean? I don't citrus? know. What we, is that? We do have the Cheez-It and the pot. It's just different. It's different. Uh, which, by the way, the history on the now Pop-Tarts Bowl is pretty crazy. Uh, listen to all these names that it has gone through. It started as the Blockbuster Bowl. Oh, that's, so that's a great good one. to begin with. Yeah. Then it became the Car Quest Bowl. Okay. Which I don't know if that's like,
4: yeah, is that you like probably a car
2: place. That I don't know. Buy cars. Well, I don't know if that's a car place you buy cars or if that's like Map Quest. Did you ever have to use Map Quest? I know a kid? what Map Quest is. Okay, you at least know what it is. Um,
3: Dude, I'm only three years younger than you. Well, I don't know. Four Map years Plus younger had than you a, had
2: a quick fall off. You know what I mean? Like I pretty quickly went from using MapQuest to get places when I was like
3: first starting
2: driving to maybe I never a few used to years. Get places, but yeah, see, like my parents was like, I'm saying. "It was a quick drop." My parents
3: would use MapQuest and then they would be like, they would print it off and they'd be yeah. like, "Go grab the MapQuest from yes, the printer." Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So that was the thing. So I don't know if it's like that or what. Then it became the MicronPC.com bowl. <laughs> okay. Which I don't even know what Micron. Uh, they, I don't know. Yeah. Then talk the, about uh, a hard fall. Yeah, then visit Florida Tangerine Bowl. So it's like, please visit. I guess it was sponsored by the entire state. Lame. Then the uh, Mazda Tangerine Bowl. So Mazda, okay. the car company. Yeah, my first car was a Mazda. Yep. Love Mazdas. Uh Champ Sports Bowl, which I believe Champ yeah. Sports is That's a restaurant. No, 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 is It's it? a.
3: It's like an apparel. It's like a. What am I thinking of? It's like an apparel place. Champ Sports. Okay, they so it's like Dick's Sporting Goods and yeah. stuff. Well, not. Oh, quite. I'm
2: thinking of. There's a, there's a place called Champs, but it's with two P's. No, no, no. It's, sports, a, it's a sports it's like bar.
3: A, no, Champ Sports is like an apparel. Like oh, hey, go- the headquarters
2: is in Wichita for the Champ Sports Bar. Oh, really? Well, oh, with two oh. P's. So Champs. <laughs> Champ Papas. <laughs> I didn't know
3: that. Uh, no, Champ Sports is like an apparel.
2: Okay. And then it became the Russell Athletic Bowl, which is a different apparel
3: okay. company. Like- I wonder
2: if Russell Athletic just bought out Champs because it's the same logo on the oh, thing. Oh, I don't know. Um, and then it became the Campion World Bowl. And then the Cheez-It Bowl, and now the Pop-Tarts Bowl.
3: That is that is quite the arc, Yeah, honestly. Like, you could you could teach a whole history class on that right there. <laughs> yeah, we should go to KU and see if we can uh,
2: become <laughs> professors of just uh, bowl game history. It'd be great. But not actually like what happened in the bowl games, just like, yes, like they, what they're yes, sponsored yes. by.
3: What, what I'm saying is like... The, that arc you could like teach history off that. You could be like Why hey, did Blockbuster. You no, know, what happened no. to these companies? Exactly. Right? No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It'd be like the the, the evolution of the modern company, but yeah. in terms of a bowl game.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh stock is up on Cal State Northridge being the June transfer portal kings. So this was uh, as of I forget if this was yesterday or Wednesday. You know, is this this was as of yesterday college basketball division one programs with the most available scholarships and I mean there's some schools that are pretty notable that have like even four scholarships open like uh, Michigan yeah Texas they wow. still both have four scholarships Notre Dame has four scholarships open so like the Howard, they have, the worked powerhouse here. of Howard yeah Howard are trying to get back to the NCAA tournament then you have uh, there's three different schools with five then you have two schools of six Prairie View A&M still has seven openings Cal State Northridge has eight scholarship availables
3: Okay, this, this is a red flag to me.
2: Because nobody wants to go yeah, there. Yeah, doesn't
3: that mean that you suck if you have this many scholarship availabilities open right now?
2: Yeah, is there any way you can twist this to be like, no, yeah. we we're just waiting because <laughs> everybody's going to be full on scholarships and we'll have. Like, imagine a world where CSUN was like, what if Grant Nelson has nowhere else to go? <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, he has to come here.
3: But, but like, you're betting on so much. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just it just, it's not plausible. It's not plausible. Yeah, I don't I'm trying to think of a way to positively spin this. I mean, to me this is just bad. It just says that your program is bad and that, you know. Now, I guess I don't know anything about Cal State Northwards So what if Cal State Northwards just had like eight seniors? Maybe it has nothing to do with them being they just they had a a, a bunch of seniors. I mean that's that's fair, is but that like possible? why where have they been over the last two
2: years trying to recruit this recruiting class for high school kids and to over like, the last two months recruiting the transfer
3: portal? To not have this happen. Yes. I don't know. Well maybe uh are they in between coaches? Maybe
5: they're in between they coaches. Because, um, like, think about it.
3: Like, let's say you you your coach resigns or retires or whatever in like April or May. You're you know how far behind you would be. Like like think about if that happened with Bill Self. If after the heart, if after the oh, they just the hired healthcare. a new coach a month ago. Okay, so maybe that's part of it. They hired him a month ago. He's cleaning the house, but now he's in a situation where he needs to. You know, do you think that? you or I. Could and get on. they were
2: handed sanctions out in December.
3: Oh. Do you think you or I could get on scholarship at Cal State Northridge? No. Why not? What do you, why not? Because we don't play basketball. Says who? <laughs> First of all, you'd be fine. You're 6'4". Six, you're six you could make the team. they just be like, yeah, if you're above 6'3", three, come join the Dude, team. Dude, 6'4 on Cal State Northridge is basically 7'4". Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, this is uh, this is my dad's alma mater, oh, and uh, okay. well, I've been to a game there and stuff. And like, there you go, you already have a connection. I guess so, right? Um, they they need to get you on what the. What do you do at this point? Do you just bring like?
3: I guess they really will get all the I'm remaining transfers, hold, right? I'm guessing like, and if depending on how many openings do you go, you JUCO. Still have,
2: I mean, there's still probably hundreds of kids in the transfer board.
3: Yeah, you so you you probably could still get some guys, but it, let's say you still have like even four or five scholarships open by the time of the start of the school year. I think you just have to hold open tryouts. I think you just have to be like, hey, come to the gym after school, after orientation class, and try out for the basketball team. Give me other choice? No. I mean, what else can you do? Just be like, hey, if you're six foot or taller and have a, a pulse, come stop by. What if this ends up being a good thing? What if they end up
2: getting transfers that they normally wouldn't get because they're like, ah, I have to go somewhere. Oh, you have playing time.
3: Maybe. Maybe that's possible. I feel like you'd have to be pretty desperate, though. Yeah. I mean, because even if you're a guy that's looking to transfer for playing time, why don't you just go to Coppin State, or East (laughs) Illinois, or Nichols, or Alabama State, or Arkansas Pine Bluff, or St. Louis? Listen, Nichols, actually, they're like a really pretty good program. Okay. So you could go there and be pretty good, I think. All right, last
2: one we got here. Stock is up on the SEC being cowards.
3: Dude, the SEC, they're just a bunch of... Fraud, coward, clowns—just unbelievably soft. I mean, we need Bill Self to get in there, join whatever conference call their ads have, and just call them soft over and over and over again. That's what we need. Yeah, well, okay. So or this we, what need to, or I, we need to. Or we need to hide. We, we I need feel to like figure out. Explain what happened first. We need to figure out whatever okay. Zoom meeting they have, join it, and just play Bill Self saying "soft" over and over and over and over, and over again. I appreciate
2: the energy. Let me explain what happened. 'Cause some people are like, what'd they do? Okay. So you haven't even gotten to the story. Yeah. Yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the SEC has obviously they're adding texas and oklahoma there was a lot of talk of like what are we gonna do we have 16 teams now do we go to four divisions of four do we go to two divisions of eight how do we balance out the schedule should we play a nine-game schedule they've been one of the few that's sticking with an eight-game schedule and uh it's dumb because that allows them to play that uh, an fcs opponent in like week week 10 week 11 of the season well it turns out they decided that they are gonna stay in an eight-game schedule to which i'm not shocked by at all because it's worked out for them and they never get punished for it um And they're also getting rid of divisions. So now they're going to have a 16-team conference without divisions where you're going to play school. I mean, you might not play another school in your own conference at at your home field for what, no, they don't have division. No, 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 getting no, no, rid of at them at
3: your home field, yeah, yeah. In for like twenty years, it'll take, years, you. It'll for take thirty you years, five years to do a home and home. Right, with that,
2: and so I don't know how they're going to do this now. Uh, Greg Sankey, their their commissioner, said the eight game schedule in twenty twenty four will be based on quote fairness and balance, and that traditional rivalries would be a major. Oh, factor. I'm sure
3: it'll be. I'm sure it'll be based on fairness and balance when Alabama gets to play Mississippi State, Ole Miss, uh, all the crappy teams, and you know whoever everybody else gets stuck playing you know, tough schedules. I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um and so this Take is it. this was pointed out by Scott Doctorman who uh, covers Iowa football for the Athletic. Is he a doctor? No, he is not. He should have. That would have been awesome if his name was Dr. Doctorman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tell me. He just should have. Yeah. That, that's unfair. <laughs> he has to be a doctor. Um so <laughs> this is uh teams playing 10 or more Power 5 opponents in 2023. This is even before the SEC does that. ACC uh has 9. Um, of 14. Notre Dame's doing it, so if you want to count them to the ACC, it'd be 10. Big 10, 13 of the 14. Big 12, 11 of the 14. That includes Kansas. Pac-12, 10 of the 12. SEC, only 2 of the 14 are playing
3: 10 or more Power 5 opponents. Yeah, they're just... They are softer than soft. I mean... Just a bunch of cowardly losers. Okay. Oh, we're we're the football conference. We love to play football. Yeah, against the Citadel. Why don't you play somebody your own size? Huh? Ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's it's so dumb. And like, it, obviously the SEC is still a great football conference. It doesn't but take obviously, away from. But
3: honestly, the Citadel and whatever other the hell small schools in that area, they're probably. Having a parade right. today. It's just they it, know they're about to be getting another million dollars from Bama to lose seventy to zero.
2: Well, it just it makes it easier for the SEC to to have more teams skate through and then stay high in the rankings because they yep. have one less loss yep. and then you get more it looks bowl, better. You get more yeah. teams
3: going to bowl games
2: because exactly. they played two FCS. And then pools. it's like, oh, well, our number one team just beat the number fifteen team in the country when in reality if they played another power five game, maybe they would have lost and maybe they would have been unranked and, and it just kind of adds up in, in how it all kind of works out. So it's that's just dumb. soft. It, it is. is
3: it is just ridiculous.
2: It is. All right, he is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is RCST, some KU football talk next. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Of course, if you miss anything from any of our shows, whether it was our Cole Aldridge interview earlier today or RCST trivia, you can find it on the best of RCST podcast, wherever you find any of your podcasts. So we're going to start a series starting today, a little KU football. I I feel like to me, things really shift over. Like, okay. So what's up for me, basketball season starts up in whatever, November. Yeah. And obviously it's ongoing and it's a split between football and basketball, really from like October through December. Yep. If you're lucky through late December, like it was this past year for with them making a bowl game. Sure. And then basketball season dominates our conversation from January through for sure. April, um, for sure. March, uh, mostly April. And then basically through May with the off season talk and stuff. Once we shift over to June, that, to me, feels like, okay, we are getting to, like, football season close here. Yeah, exactly. And then I feel like June through, you know, till October is basically well, football promotion.
3: I think we're 96 days now from K football.
2: I feel like it's less than that. Oh, it's less? Well, I do know it was it was 13 weeks from yesterday is the first game.
3: So 13. Times
2: so what's 13 times 7, 7? 91? Is that right? I think so.
3: Wow, look at you. <laughs> Quick math.
2: So that would make today 90 then, right? We're one oh, okay. day past well, that. Then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's about ninety days out. Ninety. Um. Ninety-one. So that's when it starts to feel real for me. And then uh, June is usually when I go pick up my like preseason college football magazine. Shout out, by the way, Kevin Flaherty, friend of the show. He wrote the one for KU and Athlon Sports. So if you want to check that out, give that a recommendation. Uh, but we're gonna start a series every Friday. We're gonna ask a Football Friday question for KU. KU Football Friday. Exactly, and it could be hypothetical, could be a fun question, whatever we want to do. Okay. So uh, here's the question for today. John Ewing, uh, who works for BetMGM, he tweeted this out the other day. KU football is the most bet win total to go under at BetMGM. 83% of the bets are on Kansas under six and a half wins. Wow. Does this make you feel better or worse?
3: Okay, so here's the deal. I understand why people are betting under, right? It's KU football, okay? Now, let's take a step back from looking at KU football from our perspective. And look at it from the perspective of some guy living on the East Coast or West Coast, okay, who loves college football. And he's looking and he's like, Man, K football sucks. Right. They've always Does sucked. Does one six and seven season exactly. take away And maybe and he'll be like Wait a second. K football's win total is six and a half, and then he'll Google K football and be like, Okay, they won six games. They went to a bowl last year, but they suck. They're KU football. Surely they're gonna go under. Boom. That's how you get somebody bets. So I get it. I understand. I'm not upset about it. I don't take offense to it. I get it. Okay, I understand. For anybody who doesn't follow K-Football very, very closely, the, the the knee-jerk reaction is to think, well, it's K-Football. They always suck. So, under. Yes. So, I get it. I understand. Okay? For me, obviously, I feel differently about it. I'm very optimistic. Love K-Football. Always been very optimistic. So, I... The total is definitely, like, Higher than I thought it was going to be. I think it would be like five or five and a half. So basically, Vegas has a lot more faith in K football than than I think they do. We'll see.
2: Eighty three percent of the bets. Like if that number gets dropped to six, I think you'll see a lot more people start taking the over because then yeah. you'll have the banking. If they do win exactly six, you yeah. get your money back at least. That's true.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that is a good point. But
2: see, that almost makes me feel better about taking it because what is Vegas
3: typically? They're wins. trying to get people to bet to wait they make the most money.
2: They are. And but Vegas usually wins. And so if a lot of people are betting on the under one, you might get slightly better odds betting the over, but two Vegas usually wins, which means over the over the course of time if you picked with Vegas, which side Vegas is on, You'd probably win slightly more than you would lose. It probably would be pretty close to even, but yeah, you, you know. So maybe the odds are ever slightly in your favor in that situation. Uh, but I think I think you you kind of nailed it with what that would be. You have people who, you know, the stink of KU football still has not been
3: totally dispelled. Yes. Yeah, like like again, if you're if you're looking from at, a national perspective, yeah. right?
2: If Whereas you're
3: we're are here locally, like no, they this is exactly. a fixed program. If you're right? some dude sitting on his couch in Michigan who just loves college football and is sees KU. Six and a half, you're betting under. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, they lost, what was it, seven of their last eight games last year, too. True. Like, they're
2: trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, So, the way I view it is, how do you get to seven wins to, to reasonably, let's go through the schedule. Because I think there's a couple ways to look at this. There's the way of just looking at it from the broad perspective. Forget the schedule. They won six games last year. They have all these starters back. Why would they not win more? Then there's the other way of looking at it, which is that way of saying, well, they lost seven of the last eight, maybe trend in the right direction, like maybe teams started figuring out the uh, the cool schemes and stuff they were doing, maybe it was a bit of a mirage what they accomplished. Well, let's look at the schedule for uh this upcoming season. So, I want to I want to group some some of these games into different tiers. The first okay. tier that I have here is you should win this game barring some weird, weird thing happening that would be an absolute disaster. <laughs> Basically, you you should win this okay. game. Missouri can, State and Nevada. Exactly. I, I was think those would be the only two. Those are the only there. two. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Those are
3: the only two where you go in thinking confidently
2: W. Yes. So that's, that's only two, two games. games. And by two. the way, the over-under in Vegas for these win totals, this is this does not include bowl games. so It's just the regular season. Um, So now you have 10 games left. You're at two wins. You need five wins out of your next 10 games. Let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here on the schedule. Are there any games that you would point to and say it would be very surprising if they won?
3: I think Texas on the road, you probably put in that category. Did it in 2021? I understand you did in 2021. But Texas is like sort of kind of back a little bit, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to be a preseason top, what, 10-team probably? Well, okay, so
2: it would be, yeah, 10-15, it would be... It was it was the first time Kansas won in Austin since like since World like War Two.
3: Yeah, like nineteen thirty. And now you're banking on it
2: happening second straight year when <laughs> Texas is supposed to be really good with all these players back, right? Yeah, so, so I'm I, fine I would put Texas there. in okay. that category. Is there anybody else? Um, uh, I mean, at Oklahoma State, I don't know. They don't. They don't no, Oklahoma State's
3: going to be not very good. I don't think. Oklahoma. You at look home? at Oklahoma at home and you think, yeah, they were bad last year, but I mean, it's Oklahoma. Like you, you just assume they're going to be. Better. You played them really close right? at home when you were not very good a couple no, years ago and they were so, good. I don't know. If I don't really... think I'll put it in there. I know. Because, I listen, to me, in order to qualify for this category, it needs to be at least a like 80-20 the other team's yeah. going to win. Like, I would at almost least 80,
2: expect 20. the odds for them. The other team, to me, would have to be favored like 17-plus points going into the game.
3: And, I mean, we're sitting here on June 2nd. Mm-hmm. I think you look at the K-State game and say maybe it could go in that category just because of the fact that it's always gone that way. Now, today you might say that, but obviously, depending on how the season goes, that might be that a being, I view that as being I don't want to say coin flip. K State's it's gonna a be favorite, or yeah. at least in theory, right yeah, now I don't they think would it, be favorite. Yeah. So I don't want to put it in that category either. So I think only one game, Texas, I would say.
2: Okay. And I'm I'm comfortable with that. So we put that away. Okay, so now we have nine games that are in the middle. Nine games that to varying degrees, you know, some of these some of the nine
3: games like the, the home game against well, I Illinois. Think, okay, I think we should split up even further. I think we should okay. say coin flip games and games that you think KU will probably lose, but they have a chance. Well,
2: I guess this this was going to be my point with this. Um, I think there's varying degrees of the coin flips, yes. to your point. I agree, yes. Like the Illinois game, for instance, maybe you have that feel closer to about 55 KU. to 60%. Yeah, you feel better maybe about Maybe the, I don't know, or, or uh, away game against it's- Cincinnati, you have closer to 45%. I don't know, yep. whatever. Sure. I I think at the end of the day, if I just want to toss all those nine into being coin flip games, if you win five of the nine coin flip games, five and four, right? You got your seven wins. Then you got your seven wins, and you might say, well, coin flip, that could very easily go four and five. In theory, if if you think Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback or one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve, which I do, and the award voters voted on it last (laughs) year, and people who are doing these preseason prognostications, which are not always correct, are assuming so this year. You know what teams that win close games tend yeah, to have? I was about to say. Good quarterbacks and what, good what's, coaching.
3: What's the biggest indicator of winning coin flip games? Having turnovers, a good quarterback, quarterbacks, and coaching. And coaching, yes. And typically,
2: if you have good coaching, you avoid turnovers and you get them. Typically, if you have a good quarterback, you have less turnovers because you're throwing less interceptions. Yeah. So, you should be comfortable feeling that Kansas could win, could go 5-4 and four or even 6-3 and three in those coin flip games. And that's how you get to 7 or 8 wins. Yeah. So, I'll be honest. I... I When that number first came out at six and a half, I, like you said earlier, was like, "Ah, I really wish it would have been five and a half. I think I am comfortable now at this point saying I would take the over. And that doesn't mean it's a guarantee to get there, but I guess I view it from this perspective. If Kansas this season finishes six and six in the regular season... I, I'm not saying it would be a disappointment. I don't think that's the case. You would still make a bowl game, and back-to-back bowl games would still continue to be huge progress for this program. But from where you were, from from going six and six a year ago to returning all these players to having this uber talented quarterback in Jalen Daniels, in addition to a bunch of other you know potential star players, three of your first
3: five games are at home.
2: Yeah, three of your first five at you got, home. You like, got Illinois and BYU at home. Like it, it certainly would feel almost undeserved. For you not to at least improve on your win total from a year before, where you also had Jalen Daniels injured a year before. Yeah, I mean, barring can, that happening, if Jalen more... Daniels were out ten oh, yeah. games this year, then like, okay, I
3: get we can it. get more into this over the course of the offseason. But yeah, I mean, I think the general mood of Ku fans is you need to be at least six and six this year, at least. If yeah, you if you go five and seven, that'll be seen probably as a bit of a setback. Right, and that's what I'm saying. If you go to seven and five. You that's can fine.
2: talk yourself into being like, yeah, of yeah, course, they fine. improved. They yes. had all these players back. like go. It makes sense. Yeah. So I, I would be betting the over right now, and and honestly, that doesn't make me feel worse that all those people are, are betting any worse. If anything, no, it makes no. me feel better because, no, yeah. you know, uh, I hate it. Yeah, I hate it when it's like, oh, the Chiefs are receiving 98% of the bets on them to cover the spread against, the, and it's like they never cover the spread when that happens. So... Uh, you're on the other end of the spectrum here, which I think is uh, not the worst thing in the world. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have another edition of Lie Detector Test coming up next. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be back on Monday for a full show, 3 to 6. Next week, we've got the uh, Rock Chalk Round Ball Classic on Thursday. United Way Day of Giving on Wednesday. RCST Trivia Finals on Friday. We've got Hawk Talk with Dan Fitzgerald on Monday. Busy week. Yep, busy week, even though it's uh, it's June. But then after that Aussies. week, we will not be busy. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, another edition of Lie Detector Test. Here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, first up is SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey on if the decision on eight or nine SEC games is money-driven. Quote, money follows, it doesn't lead. When all you do is chase money, you make a lot of bad decisions. Dude,
3: are you serious? I can't believe this is a real quote. Yes, money drives everything. What are you? Are you an idiot, Greg? Are you stupid? What's? What do you mean? What? What? country do you live in, Greg? Where are you at? Yes. This is obviously a lie. Money it would have been, drives everything.
2: It would have been funny if somebody immediately retorted after he, he asked that and was like, so then why did you add Oklahoma and Texas?
3: Yeah. Oh, hey, Greg, how much money is your media deal making? Oh, a lot? Oh, so it does drive everything? Oh, okay. Good talk. Thanks.
2: Yeah. No, this is, yeah, this is clear. This is, Bro. This Sounds is, like he's trying to, like, sound like a philosopher. This is too. the
3: most bold-faced lie we ever had on lie detector tests. Mm-hmm. I mean, the polygraph is just going nuts. <laughs> it's going off the chart. Uh, this one from uh,
2: LeBron James. LeBron. Oh, yeah, you
3: forgot to say that our lie detector test segment is sponsored by LeBron James. He's oh, yeah. on here all
2: the time. Just in general. He is he is on here all the time. Uh, and, and there have been some that have been noted. If you haven't seen them before, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, he had one where he was, like, holding the book upside down. Like, it, it's legitimately from, like, the skit of a movie. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, or he was like asked about like what his favorite part of the book was or something and he was just like, ah, oh, you just know the, the whole thing like <laughs> something that you would legitimately answer if you have not like like it's, it's just it's funny. it's funny. Uh, but so anyway, LeBron on on his future in the NBA quote, I've got a lot to think about just for me personally going forward with the game of basketball. I've got a lot a, a lot to think about.
3: yeah, I don't really know how to feel about this one because you know i I don't necessarily love when Great athletes do like these ridiculous farewell tours and whatnot. But at the same time, once you reach a certain level of like superstardom, it actually, I kind of end up enjoying it a little bit. Like it's nice to have like some send off. Now it can go over the top pretty quickly though. I will say that. With LeBron, I don't know what he'll choose, how he'll choose to do it. I would think that he would probably do something where he'll be like going into the season, he'll be like, hey, this is my final year. And then Do take the whole year it's like kind of a victory lap whatever which I'm fine with I don't really necessarily have a problem with that it's not gonna be next year right I mean he's not retiring after next year is he but I don't know he just played this year with but also he was 38 he had a broken foot or whatever was wrong with his foot and he dropped 40 in a game 7 so I don't know yeah, I, I think this
2: is... Uh, I mean, I think this is the truth. He's definitely thinking about, he's definitely it. Thinking about yeah. it. He's definitely thinking about it. Yeah, he, I, I've got a lot to think about, you know, all that. I, I agree with that. I don't think he's going to retire. It, yeah. yeah. There were reports from, like, Brian Windhorst and stuff that his ultimate goal is to play with his son.
3: Yeah.
2: His son's in so college I if he wanted
3: to do some m- mental gymnastics into, this is actually You'd a lie. He's going to play
2: two more years. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I guess if you wanted to do mental gymnastics yourself into saying this is a lie, you could say, "Well, it's a lie because we already know he's going to be playing for two more years." Yeah, exactly, LeBron James, and also James.
2: I'm pretty sure the uh, isn't the All Star game in in 2025. Um, it's in, uh is it in L A, something? No, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I I think what this is to me more so than anything is LeBron's trying to make sure the Lakers like. He's basically this a way for him to be like, yeah. I mean, he can be like Lakers. Listen, if you don't get a better team yes, around me, I'm, I'm done. just gonna retire. Exactly. And then you're and gonna then be, I'll come back in a year yeah. when my son's able to play. <laughs> and then you're gonna be. S- I S- guess that is possible. Would that shock you if he was? If just he was like, take a year off. He's like, hey, I'm gonna right. take a year off. Because There have like a been a lot body. of things he's done similar to Michael Jordan, yeah. like he's doing this documentary <laughs> thing now, right? Where he was like, I'm gonna do the Michael Jordan thing, take a year off, then I'll play yep. when my my son but comes in. Could, I can rest my body. That's that's how he. The thing with
3: LeBron is LeBron could easily publicly just be like this is like to get my body right to get right. my mind right like to make sure that I'm still in playing shape yeah. whereas like behind closed doors he could be like Lakers yeah if you don't stop screwing around and give me a decent team I'm okay. done honest question with cuz we see this happen in
2: the NFL like veterans might sit out the first 8 weeks of the season and then sign with a team midway through the year what would stop LeBron with, with load management? It's basically the same thing. What would stop LeBron from just being like, hey, I'm going to sit out and then after three months of the season, <laughs> there's 30 games to go or 40 games to go. And he's like, okay, now I'll play. And then he'll be rested for the playoffs. I, I would say, I don't know. More power to you, LeBron. Okay.
3: But the problem is, he kind of does that now. That's but true. The, guess what happens? His teams get like a seven seed yeah. because they suck. Yeah,
2: that's true. No, I don't, I don't think he's retiring though. So I think a bit of a lie. Uh, this one from Jameer Gibbs, who was a first round draft pick, the Alabama slash Georgia Tech running back got taken in the top 15 by the Detroit Lions and a lot of people you know you get the running back value conversations and uh, plus in addition to that he wasn't supposed to go that high like he was seen as maybe somebody in the late first early second and he uh, brushed off the idea of him being uh, a reach here's what he said everybody is entitled to their opinion I really don't care
3: okay I think you can look at this from two ways. Historically speaking, this is obviously a lie because every single guy that's ever been, you know, poked at for getting drafted too high or too low, remember they always have the, the post game interview of like, I remember the, the 14 guys drafted above me and they all stink. Right. Okay. Right. Like, that's the classic. No, and, the, and the, my favorite athlete. was the uh, what
2: was the, the was? safety? Yeah, um, he,
3: yeah. Who he was like? He's with the Seahawks. trade from I the have, I know harvest. every player. Jamal. That was uh, he was drafted like the sixth round or whatever, and he's like, I know every player. That- Gosh, I, LSU. Ah, uh, what's
2: his name? Oh, Jamal Adams. Way. Jamal Adams. I knew it was Jamal. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jamal Adams was like, I can recite every player drafted in front of me, and I think it was like Marshawn Lynch or somebody. Quote. Uh, he like tweeted that out, and he quote tweeted him. He's like, dude, you got drafted fifth. It ain't that
3: hard. It ain't that hard to remember
2: all the names. So you front of So you can
3: look at it from that perspective, and then sit here, see this, and be like, "Okay, Jameer Gibbs is obviously lying. Yeah, like clearly he's like got every single name of the players drafted like tattooed on him somewhere, so you never forget. No, it. but this but is also him,
2: maybe, this is the opposite, though.
3: Exactly. So maybe there is like, you know, this. He's going to remember of, every
2: player drafted behind him. <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> but you know, maybe maybe there is this idea of some guys just don't care. They get drafted, they put on the jersey, they go play. Is that possible?
2: Yeah, I think so. You just um, don't see it happen very often. No, you don't. I, I do, like, him saying everybody's entitled to their opinion, like, I'm not gonna, but I, I see, it, he's not gonna worry about this, like, I don't think that's a lie, but honestly, do you really not care at all like, if people constantly are tweeting at you and telling you that in person, like, that's got to rub you the wrong way and you're going at to use point. it as a chip on your shoulder. At some, some point, you would think. Yeah. like, So for sure, he's going to use this as a chip on his shoulder where we're going to hear from him in like a year if he wins like rookie of the year or something where he's like everybody was saying I was a reach and look what I accomplished. And at that point, it's like, okay, clearly you did care <laughs> what they said because you used it as motivation. All right, This one from uh, Chris Jones, the Chiefs defensive tackle. He tweeted a couple weeks ago. He said he would tweet every day until Frank Clark was signed. Okay, this is a lie. He has not he, tweeted but, since. I was about to say he literally hasn't tweeted. Yes. So this is a lie. This is less of a question of is it a lie, because clearly it has been. Um, more of a question of why. Why would this happen? Because I have some I, theories. I, I don't know. Okay, I, don't know. I have some theories. Okay, let, let me spitball both of things. 10-4 out time. One, the Chiefs told Chris Jones, hey, we're not signing Frank Clark. And he was like, oh, well then there's no reason for me to do this. <laughs> All right, so that's one theory. Uh, second theory, the Chiefs told Chris Jones, hey, Frank Clark's asking for... A ridiculous amount of money. Look at our our cap. We have no room for that. If he wants to play at this money, we'll let him. We want him back, but it's up to him to lower the money. And he's like, oh, well, if it's up to him, maybe I should, you know. So sure. that, That's number two. Okay. Number three, the Chiefs were like, hey, look, we don't have much money. You know what's one way we could get money, Chris? If you sign this long-term extension that allows us to open up more cap space this year. So if you want Frank Clark be- uh, you know, back on the team, Yeah. You got to sign this extension first. So, would you rather mm. us focus on getting Frank Clark, or do you want to focus on so you? So the, the pressure's on Chris. Yes, and he's like, "Oh crap." Well, if we're talking about me getting paid, Speak you know, a hundred million dollars or whatever, then he's like, "Yeah, maybe we should focus on me instead." Talk to my agent. Yes, I feel like that is probably
3: what. So it's there. it's a lie, but there's some hidden truths.
2: Yeah, it, maybe potentially, or maybe the Chiefs are just like, "Hey, we want Frank back, but you're ruining our leverage." And you're going to make him get paid by somebody else more if you do it. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think it's the contract one. I think it's like, hey, Chris, we yeah. do want to re-sign him, that but makes we need you sense. to re-sign this extension first. And that he's like, one, oh,
3: makes the most sense. I yeah. Think.
2: yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, your favorite. Oh, dude. I want stable management, a QB who loves the game, and a great defense.
3: Yeah, this is ridiculous. I mean, I think I actually talked about this last week when you made this tweet. Or He went on a podcast and said these things. Like, Bro. What do you that? What do you mean? Like obviously, those are the three best things you could possibly want. Like what? Oh wow, that's real groundbreaking there, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, you want a great quarterback and a great defense and great coach? Wow, who doesn't?
2: I mean, what? I don't. I don't understand. I can the great defense thing.
3: Is that? Yeah, I mean, who really? Cares? If you want to go to you the, score fifty you know, points a game, what do you mean? Why? Why can't you do? Yeah, it should just be great. Team. Average defense. Exactly. Like, I want an average
2: defense. He's like. I want specifically the whatever the Chiefs were like, let's say they were 14th <laughs> the 20, in points per game allowed. Like, yeah, defense. I would prefer to have somewhere between the 13th to the 15th best defense, but probably the best quarterback. And if it's a team that wears red, that would be cool. Like, yeah, I
1: don't
3: know. Listen, I made my stance known on DeAndre Hopkins. He is approaching the point of no return with me, with all this crap that he's doing on Twitter and social media, whatever else.
2: Okay, this one from uh, Roger Goodell. Commissioner Roger Goodell says the Thursday night flex, which they passed and now have the ability to do, will be judiciously, judiciously, if at all, used.
3: This is a lie. The NFL is, has started down a slippery slope of making moves that would indicate that they don't really care about, A, competitive integrity, when you give teams short rest versus teams that have longer rest or whatever, and B, players getting injured. I mean, the more you flex these – more the more you make teams play games on short rest or less than, you know, a week, that can lead to more injuries. So I just – I don't really understand
2: Yeah, and by the way, the the details on that, you can only do the flex scheduling between weeks 13 through 17, and the NFL has to give— Thursday night football
3: sucks anyway. It does.
2: The the NFL has to give teams 28 days' notice. So they do have to know about a month out.
3: That's fine, I guess. I guess
2: that's why, though. I mean, you mentioned uh, Thursday night football usually sucks. That's what they're trying to fix. They're going down a slippery slope, I think. But yeah, I I, I think this is a horrible idea. And him saying that it's going to be used judiciously, I disagree with that.
3: They're just going to say, get the best team. Yeah, whatever. 100%.
2: Uh, Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd, the Bengals wide receiver on signing Orlando Brown Jr. from Kansas City. Quote, you know we have a nice little rivalry with the Chiefs, and to see him come over, you know, it's like, yeah, we one-upped y'all. one up to y'all in what? In what? I'm sorry, who who has the Super Bowl What did you one-up in? Being annoying and petty and stupid? Also, it's so funny because it's like, it's this idea that, it was an arms race between the Chiefs and the Bengals, and they just outbid the Chiefs for Orlando Brown. It's like the Chiefs were like, "No, go! <laughs> like we'll we'll take Juwan Taylor. It's fine. Yeah, you don't want to resign this yeah, deal. I, go." I, I don't.
3: I don't understand. This is. It's like the Bengals. It's like they're talking to a brick wall, and they think the brick wall is like fighting back, but they're just standing there and no, they, they, they're just yelling at themselves. Yeah. They're yelling into the void. Nobody cares. I'm so
2: ready for, like, George Karloff. This is knock over Orlando Brown. I mean, and no, yeah, nobody yeah. Nobody cares, bro. No, Literally no one cares. And then last one from uh, Tom Brady. Quote, I'm certain I am not playing again, so I've tried to make that clear, and I hate to continue to profess that because I've already told people that lots of times. He told Sports Illustrated in response to a question about fans and media who continue to come up with scenarios where he might return to the field.
3: I hope for Brady's sake that this is the truth. I really do. Just be done, man. Just, just, just be done. You already lost your supermodel wife. Your family's destroyed. Uh, you know, and you, and you've, you're, you, you're your career on a sour note with the Bucks. Just, just be done, please. No, I, I don't think this is a lie at all. I
2: think, yeah, I think he's officially done. I I think so, for sure. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Lie Detector Test. Let's get to some uh, RCST replay in case you missed it earlier today. A conversation with Cole Aldridge next. This is RCST on KLWN.
3: Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.